So there we have it, the opening to the whole of the book of Psalms, uh, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And it is quite an interesting place for the writer of the Psalms to choose to start the book, isn't it? Uh, In some ways, it's um, very reminiscent of some of Jesus' words in Matthew 7. Uh, You might remember them, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, where he says, enter through the narrow gate, uh, for wide is the gate and broad is the road which leads to destruction. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And so uh, it's a psalm which sets us to ask the question, uh, which gate are we going through? Which road is, uh, is the course which our lives are set on? And these are really important questions for us, whoever we are, and whether you're a committed Christian and have been for many years, or even if you're watching as an interested inquirer and just thinking about the things of faith. Well, Psalm 1 gets to the heart of those questions. And I've got three Ds for us this morning to help us think about it. Uh, Direction, description, and destiny. Uh, What is guiding you? What is your life like? And where are you headed? So first of all, um, let's think about direction. Uh, What are we guided by in verses 1 and 2? And I want to say that as we start off uh, this psalm, uh, the writer of the psalm obviously has not very much marketing training, uh, because he doesn't start with a positive vision. He starts uh, with the negative by telling us what we should not be like. Blessed is the one, he says, who does not. And the message is basically that the, the blessed one, the blessed person in God's world, is biased against all that is evil. So he doesn't walk in step with the wicked. Uh, He doesn't stand with the sinners on the paths that they take. Uh, He doesn't go and join the mockers, sitting with them, belonging to the group that they are a part of. It's not someone who is neutral. It's not someone who just goes with the flow. No, the first thing we see here is that the blessed one in God's world is counter-cultural. And uh, there's a reminder here that many of the things that our culture says, many of the priorities that we so often hear about in our culture are not necessarily God's priorities. Every society in human history has its weak points, and ours is no different. Um, So some of the things which we might post on Twitter or Instagram or somewhere can very easily earn us likes. Some of them might be good things, but just because they would earn us likes from people doesn't necessarily mean that they are the things that God would say are good. Some of them may be the ways of the wicked, the counsel of mockers. Just as in the same way, some of the things that Jesus says uh, are still popular today, and and people listen to them and say, well, yes, I agree with that. And yet some of the things he says, perhaps like those verses from Matthew 7, are much less popular and would not go down well if he were to post them on social media. So there are many things that the Bible says which, uh, which go against the flow of uh, the way that the world is going. Uh, There's a great deal of pressure to conform to the shape of the world, and we pretty much all face it. Uh, There was one lady, I gather, who was asked, uh, an old lady, she was asked, what's the best thing about being 104? And she replied, quick as a flash, no more peer pressure. Well, that might be true if you're 104, but it's not true for most of us, is it? Uh, And so we need to be discerning uh, and blessed is the one who avoids those paths. But then we do get the positive. What is it that does guide the blessed one? 
uh, the one who walks the path of righteous, uh, righteousness. Well, instead of following the paths of the wicked, we're told, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. Because in the end, all of this is about the question of who we're listening to. Who is it who sets the direction of our life, who guides us in the way we should go? And the psalm starts off by saying, don't be guided just by what people say, even when there are a lot of people saying something, if it is not what God is saying to us. You need to be guided by his word, by his laws, by what he has said. That is what sets direction for the one who is blessed. And then we get the second D in verses 3 and 4, and that is description. Uh, We're just given a description of the life of this person who delights in God's law. When we get to verses 3 and 4 of the psalm, we are given a picture. And the picture that the writer gives us is of a tree planted by streams of water. Uh, In fact, he goes into quite a lot of detail. He says uh, that the person who is delighting in the law of the Lord, uh, this one who is meditating on it day and night, is like a tree which is planted. It's firmly rooted and anchored in the soil. And it's planted by streams of water, so it's a, a healthy and well-nourished tree. Uh, It's a tree which will bear its fruit in season, and we're told its leaves will not wither. This is a tree which is full of life, and certainly not about to die. A person who is like that, the writer tells us, is one for whom everything will prosper. And if we wanted to summarise this picture of the description of the tree, uh, I guess we might say that it's uh, about stability and vitality. Um, It's about uh, being solid and stable and being full of life. And in some ways that might be quite a surprising combination, uh, stereotyping slightly, but we sometimes think of the creative person uh, who is also quite chaotic. Um, They're brilliant, they're full of ideas and excitement, uh, their work is amazing, but uh, maybe they're not the most organised person, not the person who's always on time. Uh, And the flip side, stereotyping again, would be of the person who is reliable and solid, Um, but maybe just a little bit boring. Uh, The kind of person who has always finished the washing up, their desk is tidy, their sock drawer is organised, and their tax return has been filed. But the picture that we're given here of the person who delights in God's law is of someone who is both stable and full of life. Their stability is not boring, and their vitality is not chaotic. And actually, uh, for those of us who've been at the St Luke services over the last few weeks, this follows on really closely, doesn't it, from those passages in the book of Galatians that we've been reading together. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were in Galatians chapter 5, with that call for Christian believers to keep in step with the Spirit so that we produce the fruit of the Spirit. And if you were there, you'll remember Tom pretending to be a tree and trying to squeeze apples out of his hands. Because, of course, a tree that is dry and lifeless can't one day suddenly decide that it's going to produce fruit. That's not how it works. Uh, It takes years of of growth being nourished by good soil 
and being watered and then the fruit will follow. And it's the same for the person who is being nourished by delight in God's word. Uh, we saw in Galatians 3 and 4 that when we are being nourished by God's word and by our relationship with our Father God, just like in Psalm 1, that person who delights in the law of the Lord, well then the fruit of the Spirit will begin to follow. And of course there's a contrast in verse 4 once again. Uh, which says, not so the wicked, they are like the chaff which is blown away by the wind. It's short, uh, it's abrupt, it's quite shocking in some ways. Uh, there's not much you can say about chaff, is there? It's just the dry husk around the wheat, the part that is useless, uh, of no good at all to the farmer, and so it just gets blown away. And it's a tragic picture of someone whose life is just blown by the winds of culture. Instead of being driven by their delight in what God has said, by his word and by his laws. My wife said I was doing my David Bellamy bit there, I couldn't possibly comment on that. Um, but that picture of a tree planted by streams of water is a great picture of the, the life that God longs to give us, uh, nourishing us with his word uh, in the power of his spirit. And it's one which is picked up elsewhere in the Psalms as well. If I can just read you a couple of verses from Psalm 92, which says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright, he is my rock. Uh, and that's a great picture, isn't it, of continuing to bear fruit right through life. And uh, I'm sorry that uh, you can't be with me here in church this morning, because as I'm reading those words about the one who continues to bear fruit into old age, it brings to mind uh, all kinds of people from both St. Catherine's and St. Luke's who have lived that out. Their lives have been nourished by a delight in God's law, and I can still see the fruit. We can see the fruit in their lives. That's what God has promised, and it is a wonderful thing. So that is the description of the life of the one who is blessed. Uh, we are like a tree planted by streams of water. We are full of health when we are delighting in what God has said. And then finally, our third D is destiny in verses 5 and 6. It's thinking about where we are going, where we are headed. Therefore, the psalmist writes. Uh, in other words, this is what follows on from the path that we have followed. There are two paths and two destinations. And these verses are, are quite serious, aren't they? In some ways, they're sobering verses. Uh, that judgment spoken of there in verse 5, uh, it's the final judgment when Jesus returns. And the psalm gets straight to the point, doesn't it? It's asking, uh, where will we be when the end comes? And it comes with the warning that there will be people who are not ready for that time of judgment. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, the writer says. Uh, they're not going to be part of that assembly, that gathering of the righteous, of God's people. Well, who are these people? Um, who won't stand in the judgment. Uh, one of the interesting things is that this seems very much to be a psalm that is addressed to the people of God. When we get to Psalm 2 next week, that also has quite a lot to say to the nations, those outside Israel, um, outside the gathering of God's people. Uh, and uh, the clue is that, well, they also need to turn to Jesus. 
But here, the focus is on God's people, on what we call the church. And again, it's that same warning from Jesus from Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I mentioned what he said about the broad highway and where it leads, and the narrow gate and the narrow road leading to life. But if you read Matthew chapter 7, Jesus adds a bit more. He says that you can be there in church, and yet you can be one of those who will not stand in the judgment. So if you glance down to Matthew 7 and verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are sobering words, aren't they? And we might well ask, well, how can that be the case, Jesus? But if we read what he says and, and continue on to the next part, he explains to us, it's not about how impressive our ministry may be. It's not about the words which we say or sing on a Sunday. It's about whether our lives have been based on delight in his law. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 7, in that famous uh, parable, that that is like building our lives on solid rock that cannot be uh, destroyed by the storms. And here in Psalm 1, a picture we're given, as we just saw, is that basing our lives on God's word is like being a healthy tree, planted firmly, rooted in the soil. And so verse 6, the psalm finishes... For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Literally, the words are, the Lord knows the ways of the righteous. And not just in in the general sense that he knows where we're going, he knows where we're headed, but much more than that, he is with us and knows every single step that we take, and he walks with us in those steps. So my opening question that I started with was, which way are you walking? But actually, the question should be, whose way are you walking? And it may have occurred to you over the last 10 or 15 minutes as we've reflected on this psalm that it's not simply a description of two possible ways that we can go. Actually, it's a description of one who is blessed because he delights in God's law. He bases his whole life on what God has said. He refuses to walk in the way of the wicked. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, producing fruit that will last. It's a description of the life of Jesus, isn't it? Uh, Those are the things that he did, the things that he does. He is the only one who fulfills the words of this psalm perfectly. And as he said himself, I am the way and the truth, and the life. He is the way of the righteous that Psalm 1 points us to. If we want to walk that way, we need to be walking with him, listening to what he says, being guided by him. When it comes to standing in the judgment, as he says in that same passage in John 14, no one comes to the Father except through me. So this is, in many ways, a beautiful psalm, but also quite a serious psalm to start our series this summer. That first word of the psalm is blessed. The last word of the psalm is destruction. These are important things. It does matter which way we are traveling, uh, where we're going to end up. But the good news is that Jesus didn't just say, look, the gate is narrow and few will find that road. In John 10, he told us exactly where to find it when he said, I am the gate. Enter through me and you will be saved. In John 10, it's like a sheep in green pasture. In Psalm 1, it's like a healthy tree growing by streams of water. 
But the invitation is very simple. It's come to Jesus, the blessed man who walks in the way of the righteous. Come to him and join his gathering of his people. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for that wonderful picture of a healthy tree uh, full of fruit. And we thank you that it is a picture of Jesus and a picture of his people, all of those you are calling to yourself. And Lord, we pray that you would make us once again those who are nourished by your laws, who delight in what you have said, that we may stand in this age in which we live, that we might be equipped to live for you and would produce much fruit. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.